0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to American Pale Males, your nerdy beer-tasting podcast. I am your host, Jeremy, calmly introducing my co-host.
1: It's me, it's Michael. I will also try to remain calm and composed during this solemn intro. Michael, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you, my ah, good friend? It worked.
0: Cool. Yes. Yes. Aha. Got some peaky waveforms going on there. I'm doing (laughs) well, Michael. Um, What have you been up to? You got any beers you want to brag
1: about? I do, and there's actually a beer that I made. Maybe not necessarily a brag. I don't know if it's there yet. So I still have my big vat of hop malt extract. Vat of it, Michael? It's a big vat. No, it's a can, I guess. It's like a big juicy juice size can. And I've been uh, taking little aliquots of it, for lack of a better word. <laughs> and, uh. um, <laughs> and I've been putting it into growlers and making these kind of flash home brews, I guess you could say. And how I've been making it is with yeast from empty beer bottles, or almost empty beer bottles. So just to kind of mess around and experiment with things, see how things turn out. And this most recent one I made with a uh, Fuel Cafe coffee-flavored stout from Lakefront Brewery. I, I, I like that one. Yeah, I had a, a sampler pack from them, and this was in there. And it, I'm like, okay, I want to try a darker... I use that presumably goes with a darker type beer, so I use this one. Uh, it did ferment. It was bubbling. That's the first step. And It, um, it, it usually is, yes. So I've had a little bit... Um, when I was transferring it to bottles to kind of get a little flavor. It's not completely done yet, but um, it's okay. I I don't know. I I might have to share some of this with you so we can pin down what's going wrong. It has this, and this is true for multiple times I've done this, and also multiple homebrews that I've done even, like, on the stovetop. It... Ha- and I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but it has this weird aftertaste that almost tastes like old socks or like <laughs> wet cardboard or something. That's not a taste you want in a beer, Michael. Not at all. And I've dumped batches because of That's, this. No. I mean, you. Oh, all right. And they're growler-sized batches. So it's not like I'm pouting over it.
0: Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 sir. You learn from your mistakes. We Bejubilant. learned. Be jubilant. You jubilant, we learn from our uh, our mistakes here. Of course, you know, I've never made any mistakes with people, <laughs> so, so I wouldn't know what that's like, but consarn it, Michael. We learn from our mistakes around here. Anyway, continue. Right.
1: So, um, so and, and it's not done yet, so we'll have to see what how <laughs> it finally turns out. But um, Tommy might be right to bring a little taste of this to you and... I don't know, I, I, my theory was I might have had too much headspace That going can do on it, and that was introducing oxygen into the brew, which is making it taste funky. or that's my best going theory, so I don't know. I'll have to again, I'll play with the variables, be a scientistian like we are, and uh, try to try to make it better. That's all I can do Of course. for perfection. Michael.
0: Uh, you know, like I said in the last episode, I went down to Davenport this past weekend, and oh yes, in our trials and travails, a uh, wedding weekend, I had a beer call from Bent River two in a row. I had one called Day Trotters Pale Horse IPA. Okay, or I, guess, I guess technically it's an APA, but um, yeah, this. I had it in a hotel bar, so I don't know how clean okay. the, the taps may have been, but uh, I liked it. It was it was dank. It was a bit a little fruity. It had an oddball mouthfeel that I have not been able to place yet, but they hmm. do sell this in bottles, and I would like to get my hands on some. it um, that one. Maybe we'll have to do some Bent River on the show here. We are having a beer trade coming up soon.
1: That is true.
0: But do you ever have a beer that you come across when it's something completely different, but you don't know how to describe it?
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's, those are the hardest beers to put words to because... <laughs> they they really
0: are. Um, you haven't
1: jogged them that
0: much. Yeah, so I, I guess I'm just sort of rambling while I try to figure it out. It had like a little bit of a bark to it. And I don't mm. mean that in, a, uh, in like an alcohol warmth... 'Cause I'm pretty sure it was is rolling around about five ish. hmm But it's it's weird. It's it's it wasn't terribly fruity, but it just had that, that weird hop snap. I, I don't know. Hmm. The the hops were per, the hops were predominant. There we go, that's a good way of putting it. Okay. <laughs> it was it was not malt forward, it was definitely hop forward. I don't know exactly what hops were in there, but it uh it it was it was a good mix between dank and fruit. Okay, okay, that's the way I'll put. It. That's a good way I'll put. It. Uh, good mix between dank and fruit. I gave, I think I gave it four stars. Hmm, that's but a
1: admirable rating. That's yeah, I I really
0: dug it. Um, maybe it was just because I was having a good time. It it was it was fairly early in the evening, so I don't think my rating is hmm, sullied by anything else. But
1: you know, it was it was a good time
0: but Michael. That's good.
1: Great. Wonderful.
0: Yes, Michael. You uh you promised me a part 2 last week.
1: That's right. So, part 2 for the American Pinball's book club, aka Hooks Books. Hooks Books. Being Jeremy's nickname, Hook. Yes. FYI, that's me. <laughs> that's me. That's me. That's me. So, this is another um book series that I think I stumbled upon Penny Arcade gave it a mention. <laughs> It's kind of weird. So, have you ever heard of the Dresden Files series, Jeremy? I've heard of it, but I have not read it. So, this is, and the reason why I said you might be interested in this, is it is a cross genre. It's kind of hard-boiled crime, um, (laughs) private eye, Mm -hmm. crossed with fantasy because the protagonist is a wizard. Okay. Okay straight up from the book, a wizard um, in the modern world is set in Chicago. And it's kind of bizarre in that regard. So, so I ke- is yes. it
0: sort of like a uh, d d version of Blade Runner?
1: Um,
0: Or did you not see Blade Runner?
1: I have not seen Blade Runner. I'll watch Blade Runner and get back to me. Director's Cut or... Yeah, Director's Cut. Okay. Uh, but it's it seems... It's almost more like the runs a little bit like old fan in a cage in a hot sweltering office with mm-hmm. a glass panel door that says da-da-da private eye and then a woman in an overcoat walks in you know i could tell, tell- she was looking for something and she looked in the right place you know kind of like that kind of deal so uh oh what's his name i'm gonna hate myself if i can't think of this yeah. without looking it up oh uh Marlowe,
0: phil marlo, Philip marlo. What, okay uh, that's the it's the character. It's
1: oh. The character. Uh, Raymond Chandler. Okay. Oh, God, I hate myself. Yes. Uh, continue. It's kind of like that, but not old-timey. It's set in the modern world, but mm-hmm. um, but it, there he has an office, and people walk into it. He helps out the police as a consultant, um, but he's a wizard, and there's demons and fairies and evil wizards in this world that he has to contend with, along with all the other... Modern-day wackiness of a wizard trying to drive a car and use a cell phone, but it breaks because he's a wizard, and so I, I, I see. Yes, yeah, I see is a good way of putting it. So the I, I read the first book, Stormfront, is laden with like cliches and mm-hmm. some like both in the writing and in like the fantasy trope. Um, like I think there's at least three chapters that end with hey, looks like I know how to treat a lady and do I have a good job or what? Like, I didn't think that was going to happen. And that's literally like the last line of a chapter. Like, yeah. But then I read that that, he actually wrote that when he was in like writing, a writing course. And Mm -hmm. so I'm expecting the writing gets a little better. Interestingly enough, even though it's set in their modern era and it's noir type Mm -hmm. mystery, it is a little heavy handed on the fantasy It's like there's straight up fairies flitting around and demons being summoned and magic potions, almost like Harry Potter heavy handed in that regard. But anyway, I brought it up because it's it's worth checking out if it piques your interest. And I thought it'd be interesting if you took a spin on this one, Jeremy, and gave it a read and get your opinion on it. Because you're a little more, you like this genre. So I thought, maybe what would Jeremy think of this? So. Uh, Michael, have you seen how many of these there are? Uh, 15, it <laughs> looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just found that out. Uh, yeah, this was way back in 2000, so he was, yeah. like, using pay phones and stuff in this one. Good God. Uh, I don't know if I'm
0: going to read all of them. Uh, no. Well, they they appear to be fairly short, though, if the audiobook is only eight hours long.
1: I, I was able to read it in, let's say I got it, six days. So. That's pretty quick. Because you could barely read. Yeah, that's right. Him card yeah. read good. We Hymn all card we read all know good. how I read on this show.
0: That's true. He it kind of looks like he cranks one of these out about
1: once a year. Yeah, I that's does not always bode well. I would agree. It, I think it's a little pulpy in that regard. Um, <sighs> like Elron Hubbard. <laughs> Maybe not that bad. Okay.
0: Um. Laffy. Yeah, I'll uh. It is in the it's it's in the mental pile. I'm putting it into Goodreads as we speak. Whether or not I get to it remains to be seen. But
1: you have a um, tall order this year, so of I, course.
0: I'm actually ahead of the schedule, Michael. I've got mm, thirty days has uh, I've got eight days till halftime. Till halftime, and uh, I'm already two ahead. That's great. So, and I uh, as we established in the last one, I plan on hammering through the next two in the Glasgow trilogy. Ah, uh, yes. But when you read uh, this one, did you get the feeling that it was designed to be like a series? Does it have its own standalone story in the first book?
1: It does. It actually wrapped up quite nicely um, with this one. And I have a feeling that subsequent novels probably will have a more overarching theme. Because I think this one was written as a standalone Mm -hmm. because he's a pretty young writer at that point, so...
0: I I've been thinking about this. Uh like we said in the last one, I've been reading a uh a series called the Glasgow trilogy. Mm-hmm. And the first one does not tie up <laughs> any mm-hmm. loose ends whatsoever. And so I'm getting the distinct feeling that he the author Malcolm McKay had, you know, the rest of the series at least loosely plotted out in his mind. Yes. And I'm I'm kind of wondering if it would have been if it would have been better served as just one really large book. Um, Granted, I haven't read the other two, so I don't know how it's going to pan out, but what are your thoughts on things being uh, designed to be serialized like that? Because that seems to be all the rage, you know, like ever since Hunger Games. Harry I guess Potter. Harry Potter, where everything has to be like part two of the, the Crystal Chronicle or, you know, whatever. Right. It's everywhere.
1: Oh, yeah, on my Amazon Kindle... They put advertisements up on mm-hmm. the waiting screen now. It seems like if it's a fantasy novel, it's always like, like you said, part three of the Fair Warning Chronicle. That's not uh, bad, Michael. Um, we might be able to get a Fair Warning Chronicle out there. <laughs> but uh, um, So, yeah. If, I think, after the first one, if your first one is a solid, you can put little hints mm-hmm. in there even leading up to uh, future books. Mm-hmm. But if your first one is solid... I think you can come out of the gate with the second one and make a nice overarching one. That being said, with the um, the name of the wind, they really left that open-ended, much mm-hmm. like the Glasgow uh, yeah, yeah. one that you mentioned. Glasgow Trilogy. The Trilogy, yes. Yes. The, <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. Uh-huh. Um, but the book was so good, I, I, I didn't mind at all that it was open-ended. So, I don't know. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't.
0: So, uh what the example that we can both comment on is the at least the first half of the, the Harry Hooley books.
1: That's true. Because
0: those fir- those first two are definitely self contained stories.
1: Mhm. Yeah, like when, and, I think and travel in travelogues we mentioned almost.
0: Basically, yeah. In in some respects it kinda feels like a Scooby Doo mystery. <laughs> oh, but
1: yeah. I, I mean, you
0: know, let's call it what it is, there it's just oh, what's he gonna do this time? My dad reads a lot of James Patterson and the Alex Cross books, which i I can't bring myself to do, but I get the feeling that those are like that, where they might bring up an event that happened previously, but it's not necessary to have read it. Whereas right. when you get farther in those Harry Hooly books, uh, starting with the the third third one is Redbreast, right? Yes, okay, starting with that one. For the next three books, there is an overarching story. However, each one has its own self-contained story, and I feel that was one of the things that really drew me to that series. That's important. Is that it? Each one will build on the last one, but it is its own self-contained story. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just kind of spitballing.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. I it it's... it. Bu- it uh,
0: I I feel it, it bugs the crap out of me when I'm in a bookstore or at a library or. Or even a target, and I'm looking at books, and it's like this is part one of the and it, it seems like it's almost produ- like almost entirely like young adult fiction I, I think so because if you can't sell
1: five friggin books at the same time well then what's what's the point right uh, you know movies are serialized, and no, I think it's just kind of the way money's kind of made these days
0: it um, it sucks that that's the way that uh that you have to sell like the way that you sell books. Is mm-hmm. it is because no one will pay attention to it until it's like turned into a movie or. Or, you know, it's been part
1: of the Oprah's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, blah, even whatever. like Harry Potter, like it was like the third book where it like, yeah. launched into the uh, the stratosphere. You know, oddly enough, that's the first one where it started to get a little bit serialized. Yes. those first two are Scooby-Doo mysteries. <laughs> Very linear, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that's a conundrum. But sometimes you get conundrum. winners, like we mentioned. It's true.
0: But, Michael, I have a question for you. Mm hmm. So we have a tradition in our group of friends where we, whenever someone gets married off, we have a a delightful video that gets played because uh listener of the show, Steven, only one with the digital camera, that's how old we are, yeah. for the longest time, so he has all the dirt on all of us. And none right. of these are public, I would like to point out. Yes. But, uh,. We have a bachelor party tomorrow night, and that's when these uh, things tend to come up. Yes. And uh, in preparing for the... I can say this now because the bachelor party will be over by the time that this comes out. Yes. Like, by a couple weeks. hmm But the idea is I have a heavy metal music playlist ready to go. Okay. And I'm aiming for, like, pure, like, I want to blow out everyone's senses while we're here in uh, my home.
1: And I think the subject of The Bachelor Party would appreciate
0: that. It's it's true, he would. Um, and also, so that's the audio com- component. Mm-hmm. The video component I have going on, and I'm still kind of working on this. So the, the subject is a big horror movie fan. Specifically uh, stuff made in the 80s. Yes. Like from about 1981 to about 88. And... I don't know how much of a fan of this style you are, but there is a certain breed of horror movie that is better than Troma, so better than The Toxic Avenger. Okay. But not quite as good as A Friday the 13th. Okay. Ones that were made, like, on the cheap, and because they were made on the cheap, they were able to get away with anything they wanted.
1: Is Hellraiser Phantasm-ish? Or Uh, is that even too good?
0: That's too
1: good. Okay. Okay.
0: if anyone besides myself and the, the, the Bachelor in in question has heard of any of these movies, I will consider myself a failure. Okay. You have to do a deep dive on some of these movies. Like, it's hard to describe. I can't really find a, an analogy for it because you have to wade through a lot of crap before you find something good. But the goal is, because these movies are almost unbearable to watch in their entirety by yourself... Hmm. Um. I'm go. I've been digging through YouTube, and I've been finding just the money shots. So the uh, the part where the head explodes, or okay, or the part where a man melts on a toilet, or you know, things of that nature. <laughs> Something really cheesy. And I'm gonna the the goal is to you know like how in some bars, it'll have like music videos playing or something that you can just okay. like look up and watch for a minute or two and then go back to whatever your yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. Were. I'm going for that with a very specific blend of cheesy 80s horror movies
1: practical effects
0: very much so no CG involved okay or 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 if there is CG involved it's of lawnmower man quality <laughs> okay <laughs> so like it looks like the first Star Fox game on Super Nintendo <laughs> right um so, so I'm I'm still in the process of building this playlist, but my goal is to just have a playlist that I can plug into my TV and run for about four hours of just garbage horror movies like Clint Howard chopping people's heads off. Oh, Clint like,
1: Howard! Yeah, jeez. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the, here, here's a here's a quick piece that you can actually find on YouTube in its entirety in HD. Okay. Um, it's not illegal to watch it. It's probably only illegal to put it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> but since i uh, i highly doubt these are going to be coming up on blu-ray i imagine the rights holders don't have any problems so if your conscience needs saved michael but in, it's a movie called evil speak and i believe it's from 1981 in it clint howard uh he's the older brother right of Ron Howard, I don't know who's older. He. I'm gonna check on this while I talk about this. He didn't get um, the looks. I just. No, is... he kind of looks like a monster. He's the younger brother. Oh my god, he didn't get anything. <laughs> um, but it's this movie called Holy Cripes. He was in everything. Uh, anyways, it's a movie called Evil Speak. <laughs> and uh here's the color text of it evil speak is a 1981 american horror film directed by eric weston and co-written by weston and joseph garofalo the film stars clint howard as an outcast cadet named stanley coopersmith who frequently gets tormented by his mates and advisors at a military academy upon finding a book of black mass that belonged to the evil medieval father esteban he taps through a computer to conjure Satan and stumble and summons spells and demons to get revenge on his harassers. <gasps> taps
1: this through a computer to get to Satan.
0: Okay. Okay. So there's about three different awesome garbage subgenres going on here. There's <laughs> Clint, there's Clint Howard, which is awesome. Yes. There's the satanic horror aspect of it, mm-hmm. and there's 1981 computer speak going. on. Yes. There. So, uh. Um, I want you to at least, by the next time we record, to go onto YouTube and at least watch the trailer, if not the entire movie. Okay, okay. I know it's on there, because I've been finding it. It's intense. Maybe don't have the uh, the wife around when you watch this. Okay. If she's gone, watch this. But um, it's a specific brand of movie that just kind of is so insane, you can't believe what you're seeing. And it's like, it's not usually made very well. Right, but the but the performances are just so compelling that you can't help but turn away. Have you had to d- watch any of these movies? Well, you like, know, what, what's what's the lowest budget horror movie you can think of seeing? Oof. Have you seen Puppet Master?
1: No. Okay, but I heard they talked about that on Tell 'em Steve Day. Yes, they did. Um, <laughs> I will tell you this: this is my experience with bad horror movies, mm-hmm. and it's actually you get a fair amount of viewing. Um The Red Letter Media people, I don't know if you're familiar with them. I'm not. They're a YouTube channel, website, and they're famous for doing these reviews of the Star Wars movie through the voice of this shut-in, slob, Harry Plinkett. But on their channel, they do these things called Best of the Worst where they will review and discuss and play lots of clips from three bad movies and frequently they're from the horror genre and action genre genre and okay they are always vhs too oh okay. so that's uh, the way it needs to be yes so you're definitely getting lots of 80s in there and so i that's been probably my biggest exposure to okay. schlocky horror is that's from the red letter media yeah um i recommend you might want to check the, some of those uh, I'm into it. out, but uh, yeah, so in the past two years, I've seen more uh, familiarized myself with more schlocky horror than in my entire life because of red letter media. Michael, are you familiar with the term video nasty? Mm, um, I know it from a blur song. Okay. Yes, but I don't know what it means. Um, Video nasty was, so
0: you know how we had the PMRC, PRMC, whatever. Uh, The people that made the parental advisory labels on music. Yes. It was like a bunch of busybody moms with nothing better to do. So they had to go and uh, tell people what it was and wasn't good for their children. Mm -hmm. Well, the British did the same thing in the early 1980s. Basically, they found a loophole in some of laws and they were able to... Get a bunch of movies, like, banned or at least heavily censored on, like, morality clauses. Okay. It's intense. Uh, I recommend you check out the Wikipedia page. for I'm looking at it right now. All
1: right. Okay. It's a UK term. That makes sense for uh, blur.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, like, uh, for example, uh, some of them were, like, the original
1: Friday the 13th. Okay. Wow. pretty pretty tame movie pretty mainstream and t- yeah well stream it uh,
0: the original is not terribly you know intense okay, like even now it's i mean at the time it was shocking because it was new, like these things don't get uh released in time and it was it was really weird like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was refused to send him a cinema certificate in 1975. Which is just like, there's not an ounce of gore in that movie. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Video Nasties, Michael. Look into some of these things. They're pretty yeah. great.
1: This looks like a good wiki hole because... Oh, boy. Each of the... There's links for all these... Uh, what prosecuted films non prosecuted mm-hmm. films video nasties, and pretty much all of them have a link, so the video nasties were ones that I believe that the video cassette was not
0: allowed to be released oh, okay i think I think that's what it meant um but that's neither here nor there michael we we also have some uh we have some European stuff for our our FDR.
1: Yes, the FDR where we find a beer, drink a beer, and rate a beer. Jeremy, you brought this one. I did. And you kind of outdone yourself. I'm really looking forward to this beer. It looks classy. It looks it like it'll be interesting it. um, to try. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, Michael, today we have the Vanderginst
0: Flemish Sour Ale, Red mm-hmm. Brown, which, if I'm not mistaken, is an Eau de Bruin, Right.
1: Like the type of beer, yes,
0: yes, is that what red brown means, or is that old brown or oh old that's a good I thought it meant bear uh, that's a good question. I'm searching for it, Michael, do you have anything you want to say about this beer? Maybe uh
1: it's an old brown, oh old brown, um yeah, and no I don't know that much about it. All I know is from Belgium, which mm, that is. makes my eyebrows go up eye emoji right there and I know it um, should be sour (laughs) that's about all I got I'm really looking forward to it so uh, the only color
0: text I can find is this is a traditionally brewed Flemish red brown sour ale is blended with 18 month old Fuder beer to create this tart refreshing medium bodied benchmark ale reddish amber with a tan head hints of tart fruit dominate the nose the palate has apple and raisiny fruit notes. Okay, it made more sense when I actually read the entire thing. Yes.
1: Um I think we're holding an Americanized version of the beer. Yeah, it's an import. Like it says imported by artisanal imports, Austin, Texas. Uh
0: huh. Be- so you know how uh what was the one that I had from Belgium? Oh, the tr- the the Trappist. Was it Trap Six where the bottles were slightly different? The the text on the side where mine that had come directly from Belgium was more fancy and flowery and had oh, more f- yes. weird weird crap on the side, whereas the American one's was like, this here is a Belgian beer. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm looking at the beer advocate. Was it this one or Rape Beer that was the bad one? Rape Beer is the one that was bought out by... Okay, I'm, I feel better now. The label is slightly different. Not too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it's made from
1: Belgium. Belgium. Made by Brewery Omer Vanderginst. I don't know. Um, the label features what looks like kind of two 1920s foppish old men. Yeah, foppish. Yeah, maybe not foppish. That's a bad kind word. of vaudevillian. I would say
0: they look like the one on the right looks like he might be pulled away by a cane at any moment.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, they're wearing kind of old timey hats.
0: Straw boaters.
1: Yeah, yes, there you go. Two disembodied hands, disembodied raising,
0: heads for that matter.
1: <laughs> raising glasses. Yeah, they're both disembodied. Air
0: monsters. Ah!
1: <laughs> um, Michael, I think we've jabbered enough. How about we pop this thing open? Yeah, I, I can't wait. Let's do it. Ooh, that's <laughs> that smells sour. <laughs> like your uh, this here is a Belgian beer. <laughs>
0: this here's a Belgian beer. I tell you what, You know you're talking American when you put the H before the W. Yeah. Hank Hill. Any Texan. (laughs) All Texans everywhere. This is definitely a brown ale. It does have a reddish hue to it. If you look right around the edges. Yes. Like if you're like eyeballing straight through the middle of it, it is brown and it is pretty much opaque. But if you like hold it up to a light or like peek through the, the bottom of your footed glass like mm-hmm. i am you get a little hint of a coppery reddish color mhm uh
1: 5.5 5 abv mhm uh smells of sour fruit fruit yeah and yeast i get a little yeast a little
0: bit yeah about uh a little less than a pinky's worth ahead mhm not terribly effervescent but you know enough yeah it does
1: smells sour you're right big time michael how about you go in first all right, I will do the honors.
0: Joke's on you, I just went in. <laughs> That's pretty tasty, Michael.
1: Mmm. Very uh, Belgian sour. Very <laughs> much. That was a little redundant, but it is.
0: Is your mm. mouth watering? Because mine yes. is watering. Okay, good. Yes. Um, This is not like Warhead sour. This is not American sour, where... It has to be the most sour, capital M, capital S.
1: Um. Yeah, it is strong enough, but it's not like, yeah, puckering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What kind of fruits are you getting out of this? Mm, I think um, darker fruits, and I think that's what complements that sour flavor. It's not like mm-hmm. this citrus burst in your face. It's actually more of a, I, I think I mentioned raisiny fruit notes, but yeah, dates and raisins. Kind of cherry. Um, yeah, dark cherry. Maybe a little apple? Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say it has like a a mulled cider type flavor, kind of. This is a this is a classy beer, Michael. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It does remind me of I've had it only a handful of times with that yeah, that Flemish sour style. It's very Maybe this is the Flemish sour, for all I know, it's, but It's
0: it's got a it's got a World Beer Award for uh World's best dark, Flanders Sour Ale. Flanders,
1: that's what I was thinking of. trying to think of. Stupid Flanders.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's quite enjoyable. It's not ridiculous in any sense. That sour just stays there with you, man. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think the sour I'm most familiar with is probably Exile's Beatnik Sour, just because it's, it's everywhere around here, and it's canned now, which is delightful. Wow. And that one is more of a Berliner Weiss, which is Lactobacillus
1: underline all
0: caps and it just kind of smacks you in the face but it doesn't
1: hang around whereas this one this one has a mouth feel to it a little there's a backbone there but the sour flavor kind of like a sweet and sour sort of feel to it Mm Mm-hmm. yeah this is weird it it is weird i I just don't think we encounter this type of beer too definitely not Mm Mm-hmm. are you getting any malt out of it like i know it's there but the sour flavor is quite strong I'd say that's the only part that's like amped up. Otherwise, like the body, the um, the yeast, the yeast, the carbonation, like all those are very harmonious, and then you very get this so. very high sour note. So I th- I think
0: what might be happening, Michael, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you disagree, but I think the the sweetness of the body is kind of balancing out that that sour note, however it's made. I'm not terribly familiar with the, the way that these are made, whether it's a like a bizarre yeast or if it's like natural souring mm-hmm. or, or what's going on. Like we were saying, some of those other sours we've had in the past just kind of like slash you with a razor blade of sourness, and then it just like it comes in and it strikes, and then it's out like a ninja. Whereas this one is just kind of like, Five fingers to the cheek, sort of slap of sour. It it doesn't it doesn't sting as much as a cup, but it sticks around for a while. Or am I just jabbering? I could <laughs> be jabbering.
1: There is a Wikipedia page, but it's in this is I think Netherlands. <laughs> so Dutch? Page. Dutch. What okay, if you had to give me
0: three characteristics, give me three descriptors of this beer, Michael. Sour? whatever that one fruit what's the most predominant fruit flavor
1: um dried is going to be the first word is there any cranberry is there god there is a little cranberry in there too god this is see i think this
0: might that might be the reason why i like this is because it's it's not a uh it's not intense mm-hmm. but it is complex it's a little oaky a little bit yeah i think that's that uh flemish aspect or the style, in any mm-hmm. case, sort of peeking its head through. That's
1: that's pretty delicious, Michael. It is good. It's just different. It almost is beer adjacent. I don't know if I would go that far. Not. I mean, because the t- the taste is so atypical mm-hmm. and not oft encountered. I think is what I'm getting at. I'm not saying it's not a beer. Um, you know, have you ever had? Three Philosophers from, I think it's Omegon. Uh-huh. This kind of reminds me of that. Really? Um, I think that's a little more potent. It probably is if it's American. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, yeah, I think that's like 10% or something up there. Um, this being at 5.5. I find myself just going back, and the thing is, you can do it with this one. It's not like curdling my tongue. Yeah. It's not a quad where it's... It's going to, you know, go sc- scorched earth on you the entire right. time. Right, and that's a good comparison. Yeah, those quads can get really... And Those are intense. This one? Yeah. This is bizarre. Mm-hmm. In
0: the best way possible. Yes. Um, I really like this beer. The fact that we're able to, like, keep going back to it. Yeah,
1: I like that, too. It's
0: like... It's changing each time I have a sip, and mm-hmm. I don't you... know if it's because it's, like, changing
1: as it warms up, or if it's just a big depth of flavor. I, I think believe. you can just pick out a different aspect each time and focus on that each with each um, guzzle. And something that I really like about this is that um,
0: it's easy to drink. The drinkability is is crazy. It's not as thick and sweet. And
1: I've noticed that too.
0: Definitely. It, it's just very light on the... It's a very light beer. But you are... It's not a light beer... It's a beer it's that happens to be light. Yeah, It's very flavorful, but yeah. Very much so. Mm-hmm.
1: Ratings, Jeremy?
0: Ratings, Michael. What do we got? This is... It's this hard is, to is pin it, down. And is it's this our first
1: uh, Flanders? Uh, I believe we did have one when Mike and I went to... Oh, I always forget what it's called. Cafe Hollander here. Ah, uh, yes. And we had a flight of four. Unfortunately, that was at the end of a night where we recorded like three other episodes <laughs> and we weren't very articulate at that point. Whammy. So, this is the first solo Bolo Flanders on its own. Um, in other words, yes, it's the first Flanders okay. on the show. Well, I brought it, so I'm going to... I want to go
0: for the first rating, Michael. Go I'm ahead. I'm going to go in for the sip of judgment, so you give me some color text while we're uh, while I'm having a sip.
1: Uh, it, uh, The image of Ned Flanders is unavoidable, as we say the word Flanders. Um, Nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> if that that gives it bonus points, though, in my book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: I agree. Um, I'm gonna give this one a 4.25, Michael. Mm. Um, part of me feels like that might be a little bit too low, but I I don't know what's holding me back. What 4.25 feels right. It's, I think. Okay. It, it, it's it's light, but it's complex, but it's dark, but it's not heavy, but it. It it kind of is a four quadrant beer. I mean, outside of hops,
1: yeah, that's a good point. It's hops are absent. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they're there. They're but there, but you can't really taste negligible. Them. Yes. What were you going to think, Michael? Oh, I was, I, I was going to say I think that my rating and maybe yours is this, this style. Like it's good, but it, you know, I don't consider it. I wouldn't think it's my favorite style. It's a little oddball. I think it's fun to try every once in a while, Uh huh.
0: but this is not something I'm going to keep a six pack on at all times.
1: Right. If it were commonly yeah. encountered, you know, I wouldn't reach for it. I think sure. I would, I reach for it now because it's unco- like, if I saw it on tap at like, Oh, definitely a bar I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to try that. You 100%. barely see that. But if it were real common, like a tapper at every bar, I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't get it too often
0: just but because it's, it's so weird.
1: Yeah, it's good, but it's weird. I I, f- I feel like we're not doing it justice by
0: describing how bizarre this beer truly is.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm sure it's it's a pretty standard Flemish sour ale, well done, but I this is just a style that I do not
1: come across very often. Mhm. I'm going to go for a sip of judgment. I'm going okay. between two ratings.
0: I I'm holding up the number of fingers that I think Michael is going to uh rate. With uh, knuckles being the
1: quarter points. <laughs> oh yeah, that kind of works. Um, Ooh, it's close. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go straight four. Perfect. I nailed it. <laughs> I didn't really have my hands up, Mike. And we have worried. the audio evidence to prove it. Um, yeah, that's true. It's hard to rate it because it's hard to compare it it's to so something. So dang weird. Yeah, and it's weird we would almost need like a little flight to be like, that's the good one versus that one. But I like where your head's at. Maybe, oh, I can, maybe I can arrange this. We could do a cafe Hollander. I'm sure they have a few of these on tap. Um, I think I can arrange this, Michael. Okay. I like oh, that too. We'll, we'll um, see. We'll see. Okay. But I, I think if you like beer, I think you have to try this type. of Oh, beer. absolutely. Very yeah. much. So,
0: um, Especially if you if you if you find yourself being swept up or at least intrigued by the current sour fad, I hesitate to call it a fad, but it's a fad. This is the original, though. This is the OG. Exactly. It's 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 sort of like when IPAs are going nuts and everybody is doing something weird with an IPA. But you know Sierra Nevada is right there, and they've been pounding the pavement since day one with the IPA. Right. They still do it incredibly well where there might be ones that are more extreme and more oddball and more out there, but much in the way that Sierra Nevada's pale ales just kind of nail it. This one nails what it's going for. Nails this style, yeah. So well.
1: I might have to get more of this. I think it's still there. Cool. Well, I'm really appreciative that you brought this one to the table, Jeremy. Me too, man. Add some variety to our... um brew log here. Did you see when this beer was made, Michael? I did, and I thought um
0: I I totally mistook the year for this year. two fifteen sixteen sixteen. 16
1: 16, yeah. But I think these this things is age. A beer that ages very well, so Heck yeah, especially considering how the hop profile is low, I think that. Oh yeah, definitely.
0: the, the sours tend to Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the uh the general rule of thumb is if something is over like seven or eight percent it'll age okay. Without like something without a something that will depend
1: on freshness, i.e. hops. Right. Okay. Maybe except for like an imperial IPA or something like that.
0: I can actually uh I, I have something on this. Ooh. So uh before I went to Dark Lord Day I had uh, gotten an Imperial Golden Nugget about from Toppling Goliath about three to four months ahead of when the time was mm-hmm. because I got excited and I saw Imperial Golden Nugget. Sure. And so I tweeted at Toppling Goliath, and I'm like, hey, man, I know fresh is best, but how long does you know Imperial Nugget last before it starts going wonky? Mm-hmm. And they replied to me, and they said that, you know, We've had it up about a year afterwards. it starts to lose a little bit of the hoppiness to it, but they've had it at about three month intervals between them, and it was good and slightly different each time so mm. imperial i p a straight from the horse's mouth, granted it was about their own beer, so who knows i mean yeah the the imperial i p a that I had that was about four to five months old at the time of drinking was really good yeah that's great but now that we have this uh trip to belgium over michael how about you give us some some social media plugs
1: i will do that uh listeners of the show feel free to reach out and get in touch let us know what beers you want us to try what beers you've tried send us some questions about anything entertainment science life death We'll field all questions, beer even. Uh, And you can do that in a variety of ways. Uh, You can do that at Twitter, at APMPod on Twitter. You can do that at Facebook.com slash APMPod. Pod. just emails directly, APMPod at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube page, which I think is just APMPod. Um, Lots of little clips there from episodes new and old. Um, So check those out, little clips, shareable, likable fireable maybe not i don't know subscribe if you will on your favorite app whether it be itunes google play music google play music <laughs> or stitcher <laughs> um or whatever you use i use something else i subscribe to a ton of podcasts so you don't can do that all. too yeah uh but yeah i think that's it this was has been a treat jeremy thank on. you so much yeah you're welcome michael remember that next time you buy me something <laughs> yeah, we're we're meeting up soon. So it's, it's
0: coming soon. So I gotta I gotta pull out the big guns again. That's right. Maybe we'll but, go
1: to Big Grove.
0: Holy crap! We can do that. I just now realized that. But uh, in any case, but until then, for Michael, I am Jeremy. For
1: Jeremy, I'm Michael.
0: This has been American Pale Males. Cheers.
1: Cheers.